Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Whiteley, and today I'm sitting with a a guy I met, um, it's, got, it's got to be nearly a year now, no, it's less than a year, but we did it for the, the virtual, the Shropshire Virtual Show, uh, it's Trevor Wilkins from uh, Stage and Studio Services. Um, uh, we had a really good chat, uh, even away from the microphone, we had a really good chat, and then we put the microphone on us. And then the band started playing as soon as we hit the record. That was quite funny. Uh, thanks for joining the show, Trevor. No problem. Yeah. So the discussion we had um, was quite a heartbreaking one, actually, um, about sort of lockdown and how it's affected you guys and the arts industry on the whole. Um, it's, it, I mean, my heart goes out to anybody that's been affected by this, but I feel like no industry like on the whole has been affected like the arts industry i mean it's been horrible right that's right yeah yeah we were the first to go and we'll be the last to come back i think yeah yeah well i hope not i, I mean it's looking that way isn't it because the large events are like the last thing that- yeah i think that a lot of the problem is that uh when we're planning things generally for say say theater and things like that there's a lot of planning that people probably don't are not aware of that it, we can be booking 12 and 18 months in advance for shows and then um they have to be put together or everything has to be sorted out the publicity the promotion the posters the ticket sales everything has to be done a long time in advance so if we started back in august some events would potentially be able to take place because everyone's waiting to jump on it but to to get back into uh, the movement that normally happens with things like that is going to take a long time. And we're seeing big festivals that we normally work on are being um, postponed until next year now because they just don't have the time, international things particularly, because we don't know how the travel's going to work. So we've just seen one Con Blues Festival, which is a fantastic international festival. Many thousands of people come to that one. And um, the artists come from all over the world, which is fantastic. It's a great festival, but they just can't pull the logistics of that together in the next few months. And if they do, and then there's any problem, they have to cancel it all again. So, unfortunately, but everyone's talking bigger and better for next time. Oh, this is what I thought. I mean, um, my, my, well, my initial plan was very optimistic. It was um, that 2021 was going to be the biggest year ever but i think maybe we can postpone that till 2022 or 2020 20 2022 yeah, that's right gee god. <laughs> god um yeah so yeah something like that <laughs> i'm getting stuck here um yeah we've just heard that the the flower shows postponed again obviously and it, that does make a lot of sense because i spoke to the organizers for the flower show um before the last one that was actually we had it was just two years ago and they were talking about sort of 12 months 18 months in advance he's planning these things i I imagine something like i don't know let's talk about the flower show as an example of the the coordination and the almost like um logistical choreography that goes on behind the scenes must be um crazily overly planned right and thought out beforehand yeah i mean we don't get involved in a lot of that because we're the production side of things but the production side itself has to be we we call it advancing so we advance the gigs and the shows uh and put everything together so so that uh, it's all in place because things may change over time the show may change uh, um the technical specifications may change so we usually have what we call a tech spec which is a big 
list of all the technical requirements that we have, what we're going to put in, what we need from the venue. Um, if it's a festival, for instance, if we were if we were working with someone um, like we we would last couple of years we've done um, proms in the park, which is a classical festival. So we work with the organizer on that. So we figure out the stage size, the back room area, um, dressing rooms. Um, we, we put things like we put lighting on the stage, but we also put lighting in the dressing room and the walkway areas backstage. And you have to consider there's orchestral things going on in that. So the people walking around, you don't want any mud back there. Mm. <laughs> there's generators, there's generators for the caterers. There's um, all of that kind of thing. And um, some of it is down to us and some of it's down to the organiser. Some of it's down to the venue. Um, so it takes a lot of time uh, and effort to pull all of that together. Um, and it's the same on every show that we do, really. Um, even if it's um, a small corporate meeting, you still have to plan ahead and make sure everything is in place and works properly on the day. Yeah, I can imagine it's uh, it's, it's quite it's quite an ordeal. But the, about yeah. the time... Um, the simple problems that you you think you know used to really annoy you, like mud getting back there. I don't care if you're dizzy rascal, get off my stage. You got muddy boots. I don't know, whatever it is, right? All these things that happen um, that you probably thought were mundane and difficult. You probably now look back and think, I miss those days. Actually, I imagine. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been doing this a long time, so uh, I, I kind of I've got used to, over the years. I've got used to just rolling with things. Um, we always work on that old scenario that the show must go on. So whatever happens, um, and we've been in some seriously difficult situations over the years, but we still do the show. Yeah. So this is very frustrating for everyone. And there are thousands and thousands of crew out there who have got no work at all. They're trying to feed the families. They're driving for Amazon or whatever. And, it's not what they're used to, and they're not they're not used to functioning in that in that way. I mean, we we function on a different time scale. We used to, depending on what you're doing, you know, you used to rolling up at a venue, getting everything in in the morning, and then having the show on the night ready to go. You hit go, you do the show, pull it all down, put it away, travel to the next one. So if you're touring, you're in this dynamic that is very unusual compared to everything else. Um, and we, we tend to be like night people. So <laughs> we sort of, we were joking when this happened that what we would do is we'd um, get get all the equipment, drive around the block in a van, put all the equipment, set it up on the garden, and then go and watch a DVD of a band, and then put it all back in the van, drive it around, and put it away again, just to keep in the swing of it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's obviously a lot more serious than that. But uh, you know, we're we're all ready to go. I remember, um, I remember uh, about two, two and a half years ago, my friend Alex Doyle, who's he got into event management. Um, he's an absolute mountain of a man. He's about six foot six, big, massive beard. He looks a bit like, um, what's the guy with the beard from Popeye? Oh, the, the arch enemy, Bruno. Oh, Bruno. yeah. Bluto. Blue, Bluto, yeah. He looked like him. He's an amazing guy. Amazing guy. And he was like, uh, He's a he's a Yorkshireman. He's all right, Alex. You want fancy uh, earning like thirty quid and help us with some wires and some mics and stuff? And he, inv- he invited me to do this thing. We we're waiting for this event to end. He's like, right, go, go, go. I mean, he taught me how to wrap up wire mic cable, and we just packed everything up the stage, liked everything. It's hard work. It's really, really hard. Well, yeah, work. yeah, yeah. I did yeah, one night of it. Done the gig. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, okay, so let's let's venture back a bit. Let's talk about you when you are just behind you. Go, uh, the listeners can't see. There's a big beastie keyboard. There's a jukebox, I believe that is behind you. Lots of music yeah. memorabilia. What was young Trev like? What were you like um, before stage and studio? Did is this something you always wanted to get into? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, as, as long as I could uh, remember, I was into into music in one form or another. When I grew up, you grow up kind of listening to your parents' stuff. So I, I, I grew up, uh, my mother was a fan of Mario Lanza and Roy Orbison. Um, so I know what a good voice sounds like. <laughs> my dad being into rock and roll, Bill Haley and the Comets and all of that kind of stuff. So I kind of grew up with that. And then um, I was interested in things like uh the sound as as much as the music so i used to see things on tv old films like ray harryhausen you know the old sinbad and dinosaurs and the valley of grandeur and i used to record things on a cassette player so yeah, i bet you don't even remember cassette players oh, of course I, I, do. I, was, I was born in 86 baby i'm not that young <laughs> okay. younger than me so i used to record things from the tv and 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 um I remember the one time we used to have stereo with, you know, the left and right speakers you plug yeah. in at the back and the one speaker came unplugged and I didn't, I didn't realize this and all the backing vocals disappeared from Roy Orbison's only the lonely. And then I thought, how can that be? <laughs> and they used to record some things on the left and some things on the right. So I was intrigued with all of this. And then um, in my teenage years, someone said to me, listen to this. And they played a cassette through headphones of Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin. Um, and then it gets to that middle section with the theremin and everything stereo panning around and it's all crazy. And, and it was it was just, I'd never heard anything like it. So that fired my imagination. And um, it kind of stayed with me for life. And uh, I saw Led Zeppelin in 79 at, at Nebworth, which was a massive thing, the likes of which we'd rarely seen in this country. And they got lasers and, you know, smoke and massive light rigs, all of that kind of stuff, which is fantastic. So that that really was a, a trigger. And then I was interested in, uh, you know, the school play and drama and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And it moved on through the years. And then when I left school, I was sort of helping out pub bands and um, making lights out of catering bean cans with bulb holders in and making pyro it's bean tins and fuse wire and then out of the blue someone said to me um one of the bands i was hanging around with said the guitarist said uh, next next door neighbors is a drummer with a professional band and they're looking for a guy to go out and do lights and he said to ask you so i went to see this guy and um they were a band called sight and sound who were a a pretty well-known Midlands band at the time and uh, for many years. So I went and started working with them, which was like an apprenticeship uh, back in the early 80s. Um, and I ended, I ended up kind of doing the thing that you never thought was possible. So they picked me up and we'd go out in the van and the first gig we did was Leeds. I don't wow. know if I'd ever been that far. <laughs> <laughs> And they were a professional band, so we were working a lot and um, several nights a week uh, when we go all over the country. They'd stop the European thing at that point, but we we were travelling around. It was a fantastic apprenticeship. And whatever happened, we always went to the gig. So, you know, if it was a blizzard and you were told not to go out unless it was absolutely essential, they still went. 
because you get paid if you turn up. If you don't turn up, you don't get paid. So that was the mentality. And uh, it went on and on and on. And then um, bringing up a family, I also learned to, to, um, how to be a welder, fabricator and all of that kind of stuff. So sometimes it was part-time, sometimes it was full-time. And I've been lucky over the years to, to kind of um, stay involved in, in many different aspects, really. I, I used to write for the music press at one time, um, Computer Music and Future Music magazine. Um, I worked for a company called Cakewalk Music Software, who, who uh, were music and um, studio recording software. Um, I got asked to write a book by a publisher, and then I said, I've got an idea for a book. So they said, pitch it to us. So they they uh, took that on board. And um, so I wrote, a book, uh, um, I wrote a book for them, which is about music software. And then I wrote one called Access All Areas, which I subtitled A Real World Guide to Gigging and Touring because I was gigging and touring and seeing this big jumping level from amateur bands and what's expected of them if they do get anywhere. So I wanted to do it like that. The, the publishers talked me into writing it in American English because they wanted to put it into the oh. university market. Bane of my life. <laughs> yeah. so that i did that and you know i i, I did a, a lot of touring of all kinds van tours fly out tours tour bus tours all kinds of things working with everything from pop acts to prog rock so yeah all interesting stuff amazing and it's amazing when you can appreciate a wide depth of music a wide range of music i mean like um my music taste is very varied i mean I, I i like some i mean i love dave grohl dave grohl to me is an absolute hero of mine and the link there led zeppelin was the them crooked vultures as well they they did the, the 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 collaboration thing and just this morning actually uh queens of the stone age came on in the car and I was, <laughs> this is a really weird thing to admit on a podcast, right? But I, uh, from a young age, uh, my little boy is six. Uh, I, Foo Fighters would come on and I'd be like, oh, it's Uncle Dave, right? Because I love Dave Grohl that much. As Uncle Dave. I had to have this conversation with him. You know, you know, Dave Grohl isn't your real uncle. He's like, I know, Dad. It's really <laughs> but like, I was like, <laughs> I was trying to encourage him to listen to the drumming in uh, uh, that one that he Dave Grohl did the drums for, for, for uh, yeah. Queens of Stone Age. And I like, just listen to the drums. And I could hear him really trying, which made me really proud to, to pick out an, an instrument in a, in, a, in a song is, is, is nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. So going around touring and stuff, what are the things that you, you reckon um, you, you could sort of learn off to- off tours that you can't learn out of a book? Um, I think the people skills are very important because al- although I ended up in a, a very technical uh position on the last the last touring i was doing it all that technical side of things you can learn but to to learn to communicate well with people that's a difficult thing um well it's not difficult for everyone but it's something that you need to be able to do especially when you're touring and you're basically living with a bunch of people and some of them you probably get on fine with and some of them you maybe don't but you have to become a diplomat and you have to um, learn to work with other crews. You know, I mean, we um, I toured Japan and they don't speak much English, but you learn to communicate. Mm. Um, you you have to take on board uh, different cultures and things like that if you're traveling abroad. So 
if you go to America, they have a very strong union um, base out there. So if you're if you're working in America, you go out there. If you've got your own crew, they put another crew in there because you can't put them out of work. So there'll be for every man on your crew, there'll be a man on their crew who will shadow. And you may you may go to pick something up and move it. And in some venues, they'll say, no, where do you want it? And their guy will move it. And you just have to learn to live with things like, like an that. orchestra. <laughs> over there, over yeah. there, over there. <laughs> Imagine. And, um, and communicate with your artists. If you're working with artists, you have to understand where they're coming from. And that this this was, not looking the book, but this was one of the things for me. I have a holistic overview of everything. So... Um, you might be the lighting guy, but if you understand what the sound guy's doing and why the guitar is having a problem when you say going dark and you turn the lights off because he's trying to program something, you all understand what everyone else does. Uh, I, th- I think that's probably a key thing to touring. And I saw this. I saw this with you guys, the great communication that you have at the virtual festival, the virtual show, should I say. Do you know, I stood on stage that you put you were there. I stood on stage and I, I signed that off with uh, my last comment. And I, I got on stage in front of all those people and I went, uh, thanks for, uh, for cheer, you know, thanks for enjoying the, the Shrewsbury show. And it was, it wasn't, it was a Shropshire show. I was such an idiot. Such an idiot. Uh, but uh, the, the stage dropped down. The, the stage fell down on, on that event. Um, and you guys were working your butts off to try and get it fixed. You had a guy crawling underneath the stage and you're trying to push it back up because you didn't want someone to fall over. And all I could see was you guys just orchestrating everything that's going on. This needs to go there. This needs to go there. There wasn't a panic. It was just you guys had a problem and you solved it. And it was really nice to see, actually. Yeah, well, that was an equestrian centre. So the, 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 the ground we were on was basically sand and, and it, it would be okay for a while. But when people were walking around on the stage, just, Parts of the stage may dig in, and we, you know, we put boards and things underneath the legs. But um, yeah, with a bit of movement on it, sometimes the sand would would give way. So it's very strange surface to work on there. But uh, yeah, I mean, everyone knows their job is the thing, and everyone understands where everyone else is coming from. And we all we're all there trying to produce a great show, as well as the artists doing their best. And we try and make it so that they can do their best. Yeah, nice. That's good. What would you say is like the the <laughs> uh, what what did it call it? Um, the, the initiation, the, the thing that happens that you don't want to happen. Um, what is it? Um, trial by fire is that what they call it? I don't know. When when, so when something that's going to go wrong, you never want it to go wrong, but it's going to happen. What is that thing that happens to every apprentice that comes for you, and you're just waiting for that ball to drop? I don't know if you know what I mean. Um, the one that I don't know if there's one thing anything can go wrong and, okay. and over, over the years I've been in situations where most things have gone wrong so I've been in a situation where half the PA has gone bang oh. or um, I mean it was a show that I was working on but uh, and, and it was Little Richard was headline oh, wow. I wasn't working with Little Richard but I had to go and watch him because he's a legend <laughs> and halfway through his set the lights all went off. This is a big, big, it was like a circus, big top, a massive, great, it was a festival and um, down in Chippenham. And Little Richard, you know, living legend, great big band, two bass players, two drummers, the whole thing, big brass section, they're all rocking away and the lights went off. And he stopped and he said, 
I need some lights. No lights. I need some lights, man. I need the lights. Still no lights. So he, he looked down at his piano and he went, dun, 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 dun. I need some light. Dun, dun, dun. And the band came straight in and he jammed a song, made it all up about needing some lights until <laughs> the lights came back on. There's a professional. <laughs> That's a genius right there. Absolutely. <laughs> That's genius, yeah. And but, I, yeah, I, I mean, we... Sorry, yeah, I was just going to say, I I bet you see those bits of inspiration everywhere you go, like um, make up for the bad days, you know, those days like with little Richard seeing him doing something like that. I bet it's like, well, do you know what? Yesterday was a bad day, but I got to see this, you know? Yeah, you have to take take the the good moments. And I think for me, the challenge is often a a big part of it. I think I thrive a little bit on the challenge of it because every show is a challenge. Everything that we do is a challenge. Recently, we've been doing a, um, some live streaming with an artist and we've done everything we possibly can and it's gone out and the live stream at the other side um, has had problems and there's nothing we can do about it. We're streaming out. Everything's going fine from our end. And the technology, uh, you know, somebody said to, Recently, they said, well, the internet's like the M6 on a Friday night at the moment. Everyone's trying to get on there, and some people are not going to get home on time. And it's a bit like that. So we're in the hands of someone else. But things go wrong. I mean, um, you, you, you know, you talked to me about King Crimson. We, we did one show in, in um, Madison in Wisconsin, and, you know, they had three drummers. The middle drummer, his kick drum uh, Beta went through the kick drum skin in the middle oh, of a song. Man. So two of us ran on. We took his kick drum out of the middle of the kit, took it to the side of the stage, whipped the skin off, put a new one on, tightened it up, put it back together, got it back on, put his pedal on, put the mics back in the kick drum before the end of the song. Luckily, some of their songs are 20 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> the, tour, the tour manager said it was like watching an F1 pit because it was like changing the tyre. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. That's a good comparison. Um, but you, you just do it. You just do it. I think that's amazing. Um, I remember seeing, I think it was at Live 8. Um, oh, what's his name? This lead singer from the Kaiser Chiefs, uh, Ricky Wilson. Is it Ricky Wilson? I don't know, I can't remember his name, but he was, um, I'm sure other people have emulated it over the years, but he'd, he climbed to the top of the rigging, of, of like right to the very top of the stage, and he was singing. Do you ever have those uh, moments where you see an artist doing something with equipment, and you're just like, oh my God, that's, I don't know, that's, yeah. that's Dave Grohl, and I've got to go and tell him to get off my bloody stage or something, I don't know, Do you, does that ever happen? Yeah, we were, we were doing... Um putting some support band, three support bands on in Cardiff Arena, I think it was, um, for Pink. And uh, we, we were getting the support bands on and off. I think I think there may have been local bands, so we were we were looking after them, making sure they, they were okay. And Pink came on and she climbed on the PA stack and sat on top of the PA stack singing to the audience. Now, health and safety, <laughs> you know, we, we have to comply with a lot of health and safety. But uh, who's going to go and tell her? <laughs> hey, tell Ping. <laughs> I imagine yeah, she's like quite that, fiery. I imagine she's fiery. Um, um, so yeah, let's talk. Like let's, <laughs> let's talk about stage and studio services. When did this begin? When did you start venturing out on your own and doing your own thing then? Um, 
Well, it sort of came out of another company. I had a, I had a company um, with uh, one of my brothers some years ago, which ran for about eight years. And that was that was um, we were fairly big on on uh, the visual, the video side. So we had a great big um, curved infinity wall and a big green screen and all that kind of stuff. And we were we were working with uh, our green screen was big enough that we could get a whole chorus line of dancers on there and film them and. We, we built a big theatre show that was mainly back projection and uh, nice. a lot of virtual stuff going on with that. Um, we did a lot of video and things like that. So that went on for a number of years. And then when that finished, I kind of got a lot of good relationships with with people um, through, because I was still touring and, and things as well. So I've got good relationships with people from the touring and good relationships with with people like uh, Ironbridge museums and things like that that I've built up. So I decided I was going to carry on in a slightly different way, keep the equipment that I've built up over the years and um, build the relationships that, that I've got and build on that. And um, we're now, I think it's I don't know, six or seven years now with, with a year out. Um and we've done okay. We we kind of uh, moved forward more and more forward. Um, I've stopped the international touring at the moment because it's difficult to run a business and be away for all that mm. time. So um, I'm not really doing any of that at the moment. But we're doing, or we were doing, and we're hopefully still doing some small, smaller UK tours. And you know, there's potential to to spin off into other countries as well if uh, if the demand's there. But we've got. Um, a lot more relationships that we've built up on with with companies and organisations. And during the lockdown, we've um, expanded into other things. Live streaming was a logical thing for us to move into, um, and we've done quite a few. We've done quite a few funerals actually, which which I know everyone thinks it's weird and it's the only thing they remember. But it's there's a, there's it's a life, need, baby. need can't get there because they're in the other side of the world, and you know, so church services and, and things like that. I think we'll continue on live streaming. We've been doing some concerts, and I moved into animatronics. I got more and more involved in it last year, so wow. that combines my um, fabrication skills that I that I used to use um, with with all the electronics, the audio, visual, the whole thing, really. Um, so I'm currently working on an animatronics project, which is several figures, sound, lights. Um, explosion, smoke machines, projection for a client um, that we're actually going to go and install some tomorrow and hopefully it'll be up and running very soon. Wow, that's amazing. Well, when you said animatronics, I thought you were talking Jim Henson puppet type thing and then I realised you're talking about explosions and the, and the, the, um, the stuff. Yeah. Come on, sorry. Well, we've got, we've got, we've got figures. That the, the, the place it's going to, they've got, they've got some uh, sort of dummies that were you know one of them standing there with a hammer look like he's hammering so now i've built a system where he actually is hammering he's moving wow. on cue he's got sound effects going as well so um they basically press a remote key fob this guy starts hammering there are sound effects of hammering a light there's a light on him maybe a little oil lamp flickering in the corner and then they turn him off and then there's a guy who's shoveling and then there's you know other things which it, it ends up in an explosion and a shot firing. And now I get that you're a guy that has a problem and you're like, I'm going to find a way to solve this problem. I get that from you, Trevor. Um, and, but I've spoken to 
uh, one of the biggest animatronics uh, designers on the planet. His name's Peter Abramson. He did the dinosaurs for dinosaurs. Um, he's done many things. And he's a genius. This guy's a genius, right? So like when he's making these things, he, I'm not saying you don't know what you're doing, but when you have a problem to fix and you're like, I'm just going to build a robot, like how does that happen? I mean, that's amazing. Um, how does What's the design process for that? something like that then? Well, um, I, I do say, when pe people contact me, I do say yes, then put the phone down and go, oh, my God, what have I got myself into? So th there is that. But I, as I say, I did, I did uh, you know, when I had to support a family, I, I, I did a fair amount of engineering work. Um, and I got to the point where I was working on, like, stretch limos and bulletproof cars and things like that. So um, that was quite a high level that I, that I worked to. So it's combining those skills with the other skills that, that, that we use now, which is sound lighting, programming of equipment, all of that kind of thing. And it's bringing it all together. And I can, I can buy and program the electronic side of it. You know, I'm pretty good at wiring things together. So, yeah, when I get a problem, I have to figure it out with lots of bits of paper and <laughs> sketches and you know, uh, so I've been recently been welding things together, tack welding them to see if it works. And then when it doesn't work, moving it a little bit, tacking it again. And a lot of it's trial and error because, you know, I'm getting on a bit now, so I'm not quite as quick thinking as I used to be. Genius lad doesn't die, man. Honestly, you're, uh, you got that, you got that, that, that organ in your head that's still working that's amazing i love oh, that that's still... what that's when the, i'm not very practical like that i mean like i'm the same as you someone would be like yo al can you record me this thing at like two o'clock in the morning and i'm like yeah okay <laughs> whatever and come to two o'clock in the morning i'm nearly dead you know um that's uh that's really inspirational to hear that you, you can just do that um the, the, i mean you've got you've got everything in your in your in your in your wallet haven't you you know you've got the streaming thing the streaming thing is very important right now because i guess yeah. weddings funerals concerts whatever whatever's going on what we're doing right now it's very important you've got the concerts you've got the tours you've got the know-how the history and you've got now you can build robots like <laughs> what a skill set yeah it's the inventor in me when i was a kid i used to invent weird things i built a life-size guillotine when i was a kid and um, chop my sister's dolls up and things like that. I've always been a bit uh, unusual in that way, building things, inventing things. Yeah. I'm lucky to still be alive, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any people out there that sort of inspire you um, with sort of the line of work you do? I mean, for example, uh, Dr. Dre, I mean, he was obviously, he's of my era of music, but he, he, he built things. He, he'd build his own systems he'd build his own headphones and microphones and rewire things and now he's got like he sold beats to to, to apple for billions uh like that's crazy that's so ha you know <laughs> that's to see yeah, yeah, a musician yeah. do that it's just amazing yeah i mean i i think it to to me i think that everything's out there for everyone and the, the, and, and I have this problem the same as the same as everyone else. A lot of the time, it's a confidence thing. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not good at doing things like we do now. I'm not good at interviews, radios, and talking to people in that way. Um, but I think you have to push yourself forward sometimes and do it, or learn how to do it. Um, I, I'm the guy who reads the manual. You know, <laughs> not not many people read the manual anymore. Everyone just presses the buttons until it works. But I think you have to learn about things. And I, I think if you can learn something every day, 
And usually it's by making a mistake and then figuring out where you went wrong. I think that's great. And the people who inspire me in the music world, um, and a lot of these are the, the great artists that we see, they're very, very focused on what they do. Uh, and when you when you go and see, um, I mean, an artist I've worked a lot with, Robert Fripp, who's, who's a, uh, an incredible off-the-wall guitarist. Uh, people may not know him from some of his stuff, but he played the guitar on Heroes, the big sustained thing with Bowie. Um, I worked with him at, at, um, as a solo artist for quite some time and I'd walk past his dressing room and he'd be practising and practising to, to a metronome and he, he told me, he said, if I don't practise, I can't play because I'm not a naturally gifted player. I have to keep practising. I mean, he is gifted, there's no doubt. But if he doesn't practise, he knows that he, he will struggle to keep up. And I've worked with other guitar, I've worked with the guy called Albert Lee, uh, who is a fantastic British guitarist. And he, uh, not, not, not necessarily practising all the while, but he'd come to soundcheck. He's noted as a guitarist. He'd come to a soundcheck, sit down and play his piano. And, and we tried to stop him playing the piano because we tried trying to set the gear up and do that. But he's just got this focus. He'd be driving to the gig with his earphones in, listening to music, constantly driven by the music, listening all the time. And, and driven in their the subject that, that that they excel in, and I think that's um, a great thing. Immerse yourself in whatever it is that you want to do. I think I think that's that's what they do, and and that's inspiring to me as well. I'm always jealous of people that can just like. I love music. Music is like my life, right? I, I you know, there's music that I listened to the new Weezer album um, recently, and. Um, because of lockdown, because of the problems that they had, they wanted to do something special, but like in a lockdown arena. So they, they threw out all the digital equipment and went completely analog with a new album. It was amazing. It sounded beautiful. Things that made, it makes me cry. I get really emotional. Like, um, yeah. but like, I don't have the ability to play instruments or to sing. I can't, don't make me sing. It's terrible. Um, but like, I see like, um, for example, there's that um, Michael Jackson documentary before he died. This is it. I think it was. And it was showing him on stage. And he'd hear like the wrong note, just the wrong note as he was dancing and spinning around and stuff like that. And he'd stop everyone and be like, that was the wrong key. And you just, how did he notice that? Like, that's just unbelievable to have that sort of knowledge. Um, what a crazy skill to have. I'm so jealous of that. I want it. Uh <laughs> that's their thing, isn't it? You know, it's it's like um I, I don't I don't think that uh, the money is the motivator for for, for a lot of musicians because I've said many times when people used to come in my studio, youngsters, and they'd say, you know, I want to I want to be a full-time musician. And I'd say, well, go and learn how to plaster walls so that you can make a good living, because uh, plasterers do quite well. And then you can play your music in, in, in the meantime, and you can do as much as you like. And if you're successful at it, great. If not, you can still plaster walls. And I'm no, I can't plaster, <laughs> but I've never, I've never been driven by the the money side of it. I, I'm like you say, the, the emotion of, of the music is a is a great driver, and it's a great leveler for people as well because it doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, where you come from. Music is music. You go to see a concert, and there's people from all walks of life, all levels, and they're there for the music, and that, that's that's the most important thing. That's the driver. So um, if you want to be successful in music, uh, I mean, we, 
when we were at school, we didn't have music tech or anything like that. You know, we had to listen to classical stuff mm-hmm. and learn about the composers. So there was none of that. And now there's a lot of opportunity. But, um, yeah, I think it, I think if people want to do it, they've got to be very focused and, and think of what, what their end goal is. And, and it shouldn't be an egotistical thing because you'll got, you won't get anywhere with, with just running on ego. It's a terrible thing that gets in the way. You can always you can there's a, you can always hear the passion in music when it, especially when an artist is hungry. My greatest example is probably recently is probably the Arctic Monkeys. Those first two albums were just so angry and so visceral and so you know they were, that was that was amazing. And then they went to these estranged sort of guitar sounds and all this. We've got money now. We're fine. Everything's great. Like whereas before it was like hey, like you know it was just like you can tell and. I mean, I look at like that picture I shared the other day of me and Jim Hawkins. Uh, what a great guy he is. Um, and I looked at the old equipment that we had uh, for the biscuit and it's all battered old Shaw microphones I'd bought for like 30 quid second hand and old cables. And, you know, it was just, I looked at those microphones and I'm like, this microphone I'm speaking into now is like 300 pounds because I've worked for it. You know, I've kind of got better and better and better. That's the passion. You know, you, you've kind of, yeah. you can feel that. And it, that to me is just... It means more to me than anything. I don't care about the tens of thousands of millions of of listeners and the money and things like that. It's it's how we're helping people and the progression we've made. That's what means a lot to me. Yeah, the progression's a big thing because I remember the first time I bought a microphone and, and uh, the first time I bought a new microphone and it was forty five quid and I thought I, you know I was really nervous about it and now I've got many thousands of pounds worth of equipment because it's. How, how I make a living and mm. it's an investment but you have to remember that you have to remember that and you also if you can do it with a 30 quid mic a 300 quid mic is much easier to do it with or it should be so yeah. it's not about the equipment is it it's not I mean you listen to some of those great early early songs where they stood around a microphone and if the guitar was too loud they moved it backwards <laughs> until it was the right level and they all stood in a room and sang and played down one mic and then we had four track and things like that. And it all sounds fantastic. And yeah. I admire anyone that goes back to analog because it's not easy to go back to that if you're used to auto-tune and all of the electronic stuff that we work with nowadays. I'm an, I'm an analog guy. Nothing sounds like that. I'd absolutely recommend that new Weezer album then if that's what you like because it's so beautiful. He sings about how depressed he is during lockdown, but it's somehow, somehow really beautiful. It's Rivers Kuruma though. He can do anything. Um, <laughs> um what was I going to say? I was going to say, like, how do you keep up with technology then? Because obviously over the years, technology has changed. And you say you're going into streaming now. I mean, since lockdown began, uh, technology has changed. You know, we, we with my podcasts, we're using StreamYard now. And StreamYard was just an idea pretty much uh, a while ago. So how do you keep up with these things? Um, to be honest, I don't, unless I need to, because... I, I, I don't need to anymore. At one time, as I say, I was writing for Computer Music Magazine, Future Music Magazine, and this was when all of this stuff was becoming big. And there was, you know, they'd send me some software and say, can you review this by Friday? And I had to learn uh, the software and I had to do things like that at that time. Now I don't. Now I have to try and run a business. So that has to be the focus. So when we were getting into live streaming, uh, um, there's a guy who, who uh, does some work for me Colin he knows a lot more about live streaming so I talked to him about it how do we do this what do we need and um, we got some help from the March's growth hub big up to them so they helped us buy some equipment 
And we, we bought a system that um, it actually bonds several streams, to, several signals together. So we can plug it into Ethernet. We've got SIM cards in it. And it bonds mm -hmm. four signals together, puts them into one stream, sends it out, decodes it the other end, and it's a really reliable stream. So if you're in the middle of a field and all you've got is a bit of a mobile phone signal from EE and a bit from Vodafone, it'll stick them together. I didn't know anything about this, but I, didn't, I do now. <laughs> that sounds amazing. We should get together. Yeah. Let's go do a podcast yeah. in the middle of a field, bring That's your fancy equipment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that stuff normally. Mm. Uh, I, I had to find out about it to be, for, for business reasons, obviously. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I've, we've got digital mixers and, and um, we do use a lot of digital equipment. I had to learn more and more about radio frequencies because now we've got twenty odd channels of radio mics, so you have to license them, mm. and then you you can only run eight on this band and four on that band, and then then you find out about one G where you can run loads, and then you know, the guy from Sennheiser says, do you know about this? <laughs> so you learn. What's your, what's your go-to brands then? What, what, are the, what are the things you like to, cause I could geek out about microphones about you with you all day. Uh, cause, uh, okay. um, I mean, this is an Aston stealth that I've got here. Um, I, I wanted a, a British company uh, because, uh, you know, most people go to like sure Sennheiser, um, Sennheiser are amazing, by the way, these are Sennheiser headphones. I love them. Um, but I wanted a British company. I don't know. I just thought like, cause I've got this USUC thing that I do as well. I thought let's find something British. And I, I reached out to Aston and that this is the stealth and it sounds unbelievable. So I, I think I'll, I'm going to sort of stick with them for a little bit if I can. So what's your favorite? Yeah. Um, mixing desks, mixing consoles, Midas. British company, Kidderminster. I mean, they're owned by a, a German company now, but Midas, and I'll go back to the days where we used to roll up and down the desk like like on a, on a rolly chair because it was so big. So, it's, you know, it was the size of a double bed, take four or six people to lift. But they sound the best. Um, so Midas consoles first. Um, the PA systems we use are mainly Logic Systems, which are a British company. Mm. Um and they sound fantastic. We've got a big line array for, for festivals and, and um, things like that, which is uh, sounds different to the smaller rigs that we use, but we've got some um, some with amplifiers built in that we use for theatres and smaller things like that. And they sound different, but they all sound musical, the same as Midas Desks, really. Uh, microphones, I like Shure mics. Um, Sennheiser, we've got a lot of Sennheiser radio equipment. Um, so yeah, things like that. And recently, we've been um, uh, cable wise, Van Dam cables, uh, they're top quality cables because they do make cables do make a difference in quality, but I'm not sure whether we'd spend 400 pounds buying a, a jack to jack to as an interconnect. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm finding that as well because I've got my H6, which I take everywhere with me. My Zoom H6, it's my it's my lifeline, right? Because if I want to do a, a, lo a sort of local sort of interview, I do it about power. It's just there, right? But the yeah. the, the bad got a H4 myself. Yeah, amazing pieces of kit, and um, the the cable sometimes crackles, and I'm kind of like, oh, what's that? And it's obviously bad connection, so I need to look at cables actually um so yeah i could learn a lot I'll from you I'd like to buy british if i can <laughs> um and I'll, hopefully we'll be doing more of that now <laughs> yes uh, but yes. it's 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 if the manufacturers are here and um 
Yeah, we do. We do like to do that. We do like to buy British if we can. Um, but we, we always try and buy quality. It's worth paying extra and getting quality. I've heard of Aston mics. I've never used them, but um, but definitely definitely go for quality. And speakers, I'm sitting here looking at um, Tannoy's, which I really like. I use Tannoy monitors, and I've got some JBL monitors. I need to get some monitors. monitors because apparently they're really good for recording with. Better than headphones. Apparently, monitors yeah. the levels and stuff. Uh, maybe, maybe one day. Um, yeah, it's good to have pride in your equipment. I mean, like I've gone from I, I do love my Shaw mic. By the way, I was looking for it in my drawer here. I call um, I call it Sheila because it's a battered old broad. Uh, <laughs> she's been she's been with me with thick and thin, and um, yeah, a Shaw. I, I think it's the uh, it's not the SM58. It's the one below that, but you can literally throw it out the window and it'd be absolutely fine. Um, it's amazing. Um, let's talk about what's what's been going on with um, with sort of Shropshire and stuff. Obviously. Um, Shrewsbury's a very very much a party town, but you've also got places like Iron Bridge and you know lots of festivals that go on across Shropshire as the whole. Um, yeah. So when you first started uh, SAS, was I, I guess you took it? I was going to say you took advantage of that, but it was easy to sort of like move into that, right? I guess at the beginning. Yeah, I mean because I had a, I had a good relationship with Iron Bridge Gorge Museum Trust. Yeah. So um, I said, I, I, you know, I want to carry on working with them, and I said it. Do you know anywhere that, that um, property-wise? And they said, yeah, we've got properties that we rent out. So I started in um, one of their small, sort of an office unit down at Jackfield Tile Museum by the river, which was fantastic. The only problem was it the only access was a, a fire escape, which is not good for carrying equipment. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so so we, um, we got, a, um, we got a, a storage room there as well. And then... A part another end of the building came available which had got a ramp and everything so we moved in there and we were there for a number of years and because we got the relationship with the museums for doing things for them it was a great base for us um unfortunately we had to move out of there now because the overheads while we're not working we can't sustain that but we've originally i'm from canic canic chase area i've been living in this area for like 30 years or so um and I find Shropshire's a great place to work. It's, the people are great. Every, everything that we do uh, is, we feel part of the community and we, and we get involved in things to help the community. Uh, we do things at Theatre 7. We do things for the council. Um, we do various festivals. We work, we work with some of the local artists. Uh, and last year during, during the lockdown time, we were doing things which was a bit strange. So we were lighting up buildings, but we couldn't tell anyone. And the council would have to get pictures and film it and not tell anyone. And we were doing it. We did a virtual festival. Well, we did the one in the equestrian centre. We did a virtual festival for the council. So we were going and filming things and it was getting streamed. We did some of the conferences and events that, that we do um, uh, were streamed out instead of being real. Um, we did, we did a big thing for TARC, which is the, the um, African uh, society in the area. We did a, a great thing with them based at Open Gates Theatre. And you can work around the pandemic. You can work around things, providing you stick to the rules. You do everything properly. And, and, and we've done that. And uh, previous to that, we were doing, we, we lit one of the cooling towers at Iron Bridge before they were blown up, that. which is a big, big one to light that was. Mm. Um, and yeah, we 
we work all over Shropshire and, and, and it's great. Um, you know, I'm, I live in Telford now. I used to live in Colebrookdale in a really old cottage down there. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's home. It's yeah. home. And, and there's such, such a lot of great people that, uh, that we meet and, and everyone's uh, friendly, welcoming, all trying to do their best. They're very passionate about the history and the area, which is, which is great. I think they should be. Yeah, there's a lot of passionate people here when it comes to things like that. I mean, Beth Heath is like the perfect example. I mean, she does so much. Uh, and I can't wait. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see people like you and and see Charles again. I can't wait to see Charles. Charles is just amazing. Um, I learned so much of him just from that that the virtual show inside his van. It looked like a spaceship inside his van when he was recording what you guys are doing. It was just amazing. Um, so when the world opens again and we can do all this, um, I, I just, I am just so excited for you and, and for everybody else that can. Um... Yeah. I mean, the, the, the great thing is, as well is, I, I mean, there, there are a lot of other people in the area that do similar things to us, but we don't see them as competitors. We see them as potential partners. Yeah. So we work closely with quite a few companies who do cross over with the things that we do. But if they, specialise in something and, and we're doing an event sometimes we'll get them in to deal with that part of it and we'll we'll, we'll facilitate things so um whatever whatever we do we, we we like to partner up with other businesses and yeah we're yeah we're competitors so we'll be pitching for the same work but if i get it i might call one of them in or two of them in to help do it anyway if it's a big job and i think that's great because there's there's a lot of strength then if you bring in all these people their equipment and their skills it's a good point, actually. Do you think like this this pandemic is going to bring people like you guys closer together? Um, I, I guess when it all starts again, um, you know, the people I'm talking to that we partner up with, uh, like we partnered. I don't know if you saw when we lit the reeking and the mast on the reeking and and that for the NHS. We several several companies um, we got together and we did that for. A, free of charge uh, and we did it for pizza basically <laughs> and these these guys I'm, I talk talk to and and they're all saying it might go mad what do you think Trev do you think it's going to go mad and if it does go mad we'll all be calling each other up saying can you help me with this and can you help me with that so my fingers crossed but I, I really believe that my email is blowing up every day. I wake up to another email of, of something that's being planned or we need the biscuit here or you know the, there's lots being sort of there's ugh, lots of positivity out there there i'm going to call it positivity because uh um i feel like maybe the summer we can do start doing you know sort of dipping our toes in the water a little bit more um have you had uh, is there any sort of anything that you might be working on this year that you, you um well we work we work quite closely we've done some streams recently with, with a guy who he, he was voted the best elvis tribute in the world at graceland uh he, he's He's uh, ongoing. He's he's based in Stoke. He's very very passionate about um, moving his show up a level now because we've been doing that with the live streaming, trying to trying to make it like well, let's do something visual, good for cameras. We're going to take that out on the road. Um, animatronics. I'm doing that. Uh, I've got some things. Um, I just I've just had something coming this morning to to sort out. Not quite animatronics, but something similar for Iron Bridge Museum. Um, and yeah, I think there's a number of people that are just holding off at the moment and waiting to see what's going to happen, and then we're going to move move forward. I think with with uh, with a few people, we're still in touch with 
a lot of people. There are things like annual conferences and that that haven't taken place, um, you know, great and small. So, yeah, and we've expanded what we do. Well, we've been locked down, which is strange. <laughs> but we've been we've been sort of trying to trying to get ready, if you like. So we so we've been adding to our lighting stock. Um, I believe there's going to be probably similar things that, that we did last year under lockdown that will take place, like the World Heritage Festival, um, under whichever banner it's going to be in in Ironbridge Gorge. We were talking to Telford Council last year about doing a number of I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but a number of quite quite um, large events in for the town centre and for Telford in general. So hopefully we'll be able to pick up some of those and um, just we need to make sure that there's some funding for all of these things because we all want to party now, don't we? Yeah, it's more about sort of, uh, yeah, yeah, we're all, I mean, there's a lot of people like yourself that's appreciative of, of this this county and, and sort of like the good things about it. And it's nice to give something back, isn't it? And just to just to promote this place. Like if you're doing great, if you're doing great in Shropshire, then you're representing Shropshire, you know, so it's, it's good to give that back. I feel like that anyway. I feel like this this whole thing that everyone's doing at the moment is is kind of yes, you need to pay the bills, and yes, this is this is your calling. This is what you're made to do. But at the same time, you want to look good, and you want the county to look good, and the place where you live to look good. So, yeah, I mean, all the best to you, Trevor. I think I think I think you're great. I'd love to do another show with you sometime. I'd love to get you on USAC. I think my American co-host would love to chat to you about music and the things that you've yeah. done, and I think you'd be great. Maybe we'll uh, we'll put someone out together. Um, so are you taking, I take it you're taking commissions at the moment. If anybody wants to get in touch with you and sort of get you involved with events, um, if they, if you do, how can they get in touch with you? We're at stageandstudios.co.uk. That's all one word, stageandstudios.co.uk. Yeah. And, uh, the phone number is Telford 882657. Email's the best. If you, if you go to the website, stageandstudios.co.uk, there's a contact form and, uh, and email details on there but yeah get in touch even if you've just got an idea sometimes people phone up and they say oh we think you might be a bit too big for what we're doing no we're not we're not we'll you can hire a microphone from us or we'll do a festival whatever you want to do or we'll like a cooling tower yeah i'll drop the i'll drop the link for the website in the in the readout for this podcast so if you listen to this now just put have a look at the readout the 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 uh the thing that i've probably written at uh when I'm really tired at three o'clock in the morning, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll just click on the link and you'll go straight to Trevor's uh, website. Trevor, you've been amazing. Thank you so much for talking to me. Uh, we've gone over our time. I was like oh, half an hour, 40 minutes, nearly an hour later. We're still chatting. Oh. away. I'm really sorry about that, but I've really enjoyed talking to no you. Problem. Um, guys, before we get out of here, I want to tell you about a couple of things. Number one is um, we're looking for sponsors for the show. I know this is a time where people are like, we've got no money, but there are people out there that might actually want to tell people about the businesses and their, their events, their, whatever they're doing. So if you would like to sponsor the, the we've got three shows that you can sponsor, um, get in touch with us. Go to our website, which is um, uh, the shrewsburybiscuitpodcast.co.uk, and there's a, a form there you can fill in on the back of the website uh, if you do want to sort of speak to us about sponsorship. Fill that in, uh, and we will get back to you and talk to you uh, about uh, sort of options that you can do with us. Uh, that uh, that website is made for us by our friends at Web Orchard. Uh, Pete White is amazing. If you do need a website, make sure you go and see him. He'll make you a beautiful looking website. He really will. Um, Trevor, amazing, amazing chat. This has been awesome. Thank, Thank you, you so much. And guys, I enjoyed we will, it. 
yeah yeah we'll do this again sometime when the world opens i keep saying this to people uh when when like everything's open again and you're doing what you normally do what you love to do i want to speak to you and see that passion in your eyes when it's all done so we'll do this in about eight months or whatever okay well guys we'll catch you next time peace out <laughs>